If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for lemonade days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, save on select steel battery tools. Right now, save $50 on the FSA 57 battery trimmer set. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. With AK-10 battery and AL-101 charger, offer valid for limited time only while supplies last. See participating dealer for details. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Going to start gearing up for Steelers and Bengals Sunday at Paycor Stadium in Cincinnati. But before we start talking about Cincinnati, I was watching Good Morning Football yesterday, which I do pretty much most days in the football season. And even in the offseason, it's one of the best morning shows you can watch if you're a sports fan and an NFL fan. And Kyle Brandt was doing prediction week. They had a bunch of hats on the table, like a college recruit, recruiter trying to figure out where he's going to go to college. And Kyle would put on the hats of each team he thought would win the division. Then he'd pick the three wildcard teams in both the AFC and the NFC. And ladies and gentlemen, Kyle Brandt has picked your Pittsburgh Steelers to make it as a wild card in the AFC. Pretty surprising to see him go that way. Who were the other two wildcard teams? The Chiefs. And the Raiders. So he has only two teams coming out of the AFC North, one of which is the Pittsburgh Steelers? Mm-hmm. Wow. And the other one is not the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm. So the Bengals go from defending AFC champs to missing out on the playoffs. Do you do you agree? Do you see that as a possibility? Steelers or Ravens one, Pittsburgh two, Bengals three? I don't really agree. I think that he's pretty spot on as far as uh, what he did with his division winners, the Chargers, the Ravens, the Bills, and he picked the Titans where I disagree with him. There. I would have gone the Colts, the there, Colts yeah. for that division. But I can see someone picking the Titans in that division race. That's not as to me. That's not as egregious of a mix or of a switch up as the Steelers getting in and the ra- and the Bengals, the Bengals and the, the Bengals not getting in mm-hmm. at all. Like if he would have picked the Bengals and the Steelers to get in, then maybe we're talking. But then I would have looked at the AFC West and said, so one of the Broncos or the Raiders or maybe even potentially the Chiefs. It's such a log jam. I just don't. In the AFC. I mean, so he picked all four teams from the West to make it in. No, he did not. He picked the Chargers to win. Oh, and he, then he picked the, the Chiefs and the Raiders. So he so left, left the, the Broncos, Broncos out. out. Okay. That's still. I think. Did you do the same when we did our picks last week? I can tell you in just one second. I have it written down in my handy dandy notebook here. But I believe I did pick the Raiders to get into the playoffs as a wild card in the AFC. I did. I did. Yep, I had the Chiefs and the Raiders, but I had the Bengals instead of the Steelers. Mm-hmm. And I had the Colts winning and the Titans missing the playoffs. So that's where I differed from him there. Uh, but yeah, I, I would. I, I still stand by that. I would pick the Bengals. I think two teams are definitely coming out of the West. Everybody has a consensus kind of on that. But I just think the Bengals, even though the Super Bowl hangover lurks, 
I don't know. They just seem like a much better I, team. My my deal with my counter argument to that Super Bowl hangover is that a lot of teams that could be like a one and done team haven't had a quarterback like Joe Burrow. I mean, again, you you always hear about a young guy who makes it to the, to the Super Bowl early. Oh, is it going to be the next coming of Dan Marino? Well, Patrick Mahomes got there again already. Joe Burrow and his first year back, we'll see what he does. But the guy is is talented, and he's got the talent around him to keep that team elevated. And, and the defense that's going to be better as years progress because they'll they'll obviously address that and in the offensive line, at least they should in the early rounds of the draft. So I think that team has the legs to to stick around for quite some time as long as Joe Burrow is there. We just it's always that's always a question, right? That you ask. A young quarterback makes it to the Super Bowl early in his career. Will he be the next San Marino? Will that be the only time we see him on on the game's biggest stage? We don't know. But I I have a hard time believing that with Joe Burrow healthy already that he's going to miss the playoffs in the very next year. I don't foresee that happening. Well, if the Steelers are going to beat out the Bengals for one of those wild card spots, as Kyle Brandt predicts. We'll get into how they can do it in week one in just a second. But on the NFC side of things with him, guess what he did in the NFC North? He picked the Vikings to win oh, the division. Oh, Tom. How about it? Just and give Kyle a big old kiss for me when you see him well, next. Here's because... the, but here's the thing, though. You ready for the hook? The hook's coming. Guess who he picked to win the NFC South? Is he going to win the New Orleans Saints? He went the Carolina oh, Panthers. Come on. <laughs> That, that, that might just be doing the TV thing, right? I think it has to be, yeah. But it's a good team to do the TV thing with because at least you got a quarterback that's been to the playoffs and won a playoff game now in Baker, and at least you've got some talent on that roster. You know, it's not like he, he went to the Lions and said that. You know what I mean? Like I, That's why he's such a pro. It's like, yeah, it's ridiculous, but it's not as ridiculous as it could be. It's kind of like a perfect team to get people to turn their heads at without sounding like a complete and total like you can you can if me and you were in a in a, a lab for 10 minutes we could work up a really workable hypothesis with the Carolina Panthers roster on how they get in you know what I mean yeah I, you know you mentioned I don't think they're going to I think you mentioned the Detroit Lions I I'm not saying either will get in just because of how much we love Dan Campbell and it could be just because they were on hard knocks this year and you always like the team that is on hard knocks in a given year I could see maybe finding one or two more wins in the Lions season than I could for the Panthers, just because I like that team overall more than I do Carolina. Especially when when Christian McCaffrey goes down in the second offensive <laughs> series in Week One, I could easily see that happening. Well, that's why they got Baker now, though. He can just carry them to glory on his Baker Mayfield shoulders. Mm-hmm. If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for lemonade days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. Cincinnati last year, 10 and 7 AFC North Division champions and AFC champions before falling to the Rams in the Super Bowl. I know the Super Bowl hangover is the big thing that people like to jump aboard. You know, that's the that's the take that they like to grab onto when it comes to the Bengals because it it just seems like it's such an easy, obvious thing that's gonna happen that how could you be wrong by saying that? Uh it's almost like too obvious to not have that take. 
I think they might have a little bit of a, a slow start to the year. But did they really have a fast start to the year last year? I mean, they didn't really start to get hot until Week 15 where they won out, saved the last game against Cleveland in Week 18 when they already had the division wrapped up and they didn't need to play their starters. And then, of course, they lost the Super Bowl. But all the games from Week 15 uh, between then and the Super Bowl, they won every one of them. I mean, they got hot at the right time. And mm -hmm. I don't know if that's something that is, you know, you just catch lightning in a bottle or was it a sign of things to come for the long-term future and they finally, you know, started to figure things out and click as a team. And again, it's not like they got some easy schedule down the stretch to click as a team and I get mean, hot. They, they beat, the, beat Chiefs, the Chiefs, like, right. To get there. Yeah, exactly. And that really put the uh, the nail in the coffin for the division too, because uh, I think the Steelers and the right, Ravens I believe they had to lose to, that game. I believe they had to win out, and the Steelers had the Steelers and the Bengals had to win out, and the Ravens had to lose out. A lot of pieces had to fall for the Bengals to win that division, and everyone was looking at those last two games, saying, "Oh well, you can't beat the Kansas City Chiefs if you're Cincinnati. You're never going to do that." And look what happened. So that was obviously the big, I, I think other than getting to the Super Bowl, that was the big, you know, we're, we're a real team kind of moment for them last year. Yes, and then beating the Chiefs twice. I mean, well, yeah, I, I meant like I on the road no, to the, on the meant. road to the Super Bowl. The statement win was beating the Chiefs in the regular season and the, and the, and the second to last game of the season. Yeah, especially because they fell behind early in that game, and right. everybody was like, "Oh, classic Chiefs, big game. They're just going to wipe the floor with the Bengals." And they're gonna get the one seed, but yeah, they were down. What well, they were down by two touchdowns, two different times that game. Yep, but Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow struck, which they did a lot down the stretch in that same spot, week fifteen and on. Jamar Chase averaged seven point two catches per game for hundred and twenty six yards per game and at least a touchdown. That's insanity, and that's playing at your best when your team needs you to play your best. When the games get most important, you know that December January football. And it's also playing that well when people didn't think or did people already knew that you weren't some big secret. Like you mm -hmm. weren't some rookie that, you know, is impressing people week four, week five. Wow, he's starting to turn heads week six, week seven. Oh, OK, this guy might be legit. Nine, ten. Nah, he's a legit number one already. Like you're not sneaking up on anybody week 15, yet his numbers got even better. That connection is already a front runner in my mind to be the number one connection in football this year. Burrow to chase uh, a lot uh, of former connections fell off in the offseason. Hill, Mahomes, uh, Rogers, Adams. There's space on the mantle now for a new top dog, and I think they're ready to take it. They're just so magical together and really are the straw that stirs that drink of a great Bengals offense. Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier, Tom. I mean, you never know what a young quarterback is going to do over the course of his career, but to my memory, when you're looking at the young quarterbacks who have made the Super Bowl, this is one of the better teams. I mean, you had Russell Wilson make it early in Seattle. He had an all-time defense. You had Patrick Mahomes make it. But the Kansas City Chiefs will not be the Kansas City Chiefs that we know today without Patrick Mahomes, right? They had wow. Travis Kelsey. They had Tyreek Hill for years. They had a, a, a solid enough defense for years with Alex Smith at quarterback, with Andy Reid as the coach. And they were a... a, they were a a perennial playoff team. They would make it either as a wild card or a division winner, going, kind of going back and forth between the Broncos while Peyton Manning was still there. And then once he left, they won it a couple years before Patrick Mahomes came in and they have had it on lock since then. But 
That team was really Patrick Mahomes reliant. Now you have Joe Burrow entering with Cincinnati. This team as a whole, when you look at it, the I mean, the Jamar Chase connection is now probably the scariest quarterback wide receiver tandem in the NFL. I think it was as of last year, Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, but with Hill moving to Miami, that opened up the the podium for for Hill and or for excuse me, for Burrow for Burrow and Chase to kind of take that. And now here in year three, I mean, think about it. Jamar Chase was a rookie last year. You mm-hmm. remember how we were saying how, oh, Jamar, or Justin Jefferson broke all of these rookie records, and here comes Jamar Chase, he's going to do it too. But Jamar Jefferson also improved in his sophomore year, which was Jamar Chase's rookie year. So Jamar Chase could easily get better as his career goes on, which can make that connection even scarier. Yes, and he's not going to be pressed for help in the receiving core. He's got an, he's got the best receiving core around him in I the NFL. His number two is a number one on most teams mm-hmm. in the NFL. And I, Tyler Boyd's a number two on a lot of teams. Exactly. As well. I think Tyler Boyd is the best number three wide receiver in the entire NFL. Um, it might be T. Higgins is the best number two. Adam Thielen, I think, might is come, up there. Be the one that DK comes Metcalf, to mind. Tyler Lockett is up there. Yeah, Tyler Lockett is a number two. There seems like a, a good call on your part. So it's definitely some room for debate, but he's certainly in the conversation as far as the best number two. Boyd's for sure the best number three. Yeah, you know, you Higgins, know who Higgins I would, would like to be the number one on the Steelers if he was here. Do you believe that? Higgins would be the number one for sure. Yes, yes. I think so. I mean, he's only been in the league, what, for three years now, coming out of Clemson, and when this when the Bengals drafted him, we all all of us in Pittsburgh were, were kinda like, uh oh, this is another big Clemson guy. A school of which the Steelers kind of did their bidding with uh for receiving kind of using it as a farm system. Marcus Wheaton comes to mind, uh Martavis Bryan comes to mind as two Clemson guys uh that the Steelers drafted out of as as receivers out of that school. So when T. Higgins came out of Clemson, it was kind of a, oh, crap. The Bengals kind of stole the Steelers' formula for wide receivers there. And, yeah, I would not have a problem saying T. Higgins could easily be the number one wide receiver here. But I, a really quick aside before we continue on about the Bengals, do you? I, I like your point about Tyler Boyd being the best wide receiver three on a given team. Do you see it possibly being George Pickens enters his name into that category? Mm, no, because I think if George Pickens is that good, he elevates himself to wide receiver wide two. Wide receiver two. Yep. Yeah. See, that's the thing. It's not just that Tyler Boyd's so great. It's that the guy in front of him is just that Both good. of them. Yeah, right, both well, of them. I mean, and he, he's, kind of, he's kind of stuck as wide receiver three. And it's so impressive to me that Joe Burrow, again, it's only been one year of you know the Bengals operating at fully functional killing machine on offense. His ability to keep all those mouths fed was impressive mm-hmm. and Jamar Chase and T Higgins both got a thousand yard receiving seasons which I believe is a big I deal. I believe that the the stat is that T Higgins had a bigger target share I think that's than right Jamar Chase I think that's right so those two got their numbers they were certainly going to be happy with those seasons both of them eclipsing a thousand yards uh, but Tyler Boyd got enough big catches and touchdowns and moments with Joe Burrow that he was satisfied and I think Boyd's just a winner so he enjoys winning and then Joe Mixon, again, you know, it's so tempting probably to just say forget about the run and let's gun this thing all over the field. We've got a great receiving core and a great quarterback. But they didn't forget about the run. Mixon was the third leading rusher in the NFL. He scored a ton of touchdowns. Uh, every mouth that needed fed was fed and fed well. Interesting to see how Burrow continues to walk that tightrope moving forward. But I have a feeling that 
pretty much just like everything else, he's going to excel at it. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. I think this Cincinnati offense is not one to just shrug off. I mean, we saw it last year over the course of the entire season. And as you mentioned earlier, that team, the Bengals, how many, they won what, seven of their last eight or something like that? Or they won like six of the, maybe it was including the playoffs. They won what, seven of their last eight before that Super Bowl? I think that's right. So this offense isn't just something to shrug off. I mean, they 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 outscored the Steelers, what, like 85 to 20 last year? And they did the same to the Ravens. They they outscore that team like eighty to, to thirty or something like that. So yeah, they exercised some demons uh, of the usual two top dogs last year. Right. I mean, they to to sweep both of those teams in such dominating fat in fa- dominating fashion. The only division game they lost, if I'm wrong, was it the Cleveland this, game? Week the, 18 the, when the, they didn't the season finale. They decided not to play anymore. Oh no, they they got swept by Cleveland. They did actually. get swept by Cleveland. They lost early. That in was the also year, it's weird because they got blown out by Cleveland early in the year. Mm, rivalry game, Ohio battle for Ohio. You never know what happens. The the NFL was or the AFC North was weird. I believe there was only one uh, matchup that wasn't a sweep. I believe Baltimore and Cleveland split. It was the only one that split, really. Yeah, that is usually usually. I mean, it's weird that the Steelers swept the Ravens and the Browns. Yes, you know what I mean, and just got swept by the Bengals, so didn't get the division because of that. Both games at the end of the season, though, were were easy wins. I would say. I mean, they were they were hard to to get to just because. That that Steelers offense and that offensive line really was struggling. Well, you didn't feel and a the, threat and the run really ever in the Cleveland game. No, like, you didn't. But was so it, it was still a close enough game yeah. until that Najee Harris touchdown at the very end. And the Baltimore game came down to overtime. But you were playing against the second stringers and third stringers. But it was so the the first game, the first matchup against both of those teams was really the, the surprise to me. Going into Cleveland, of course, with that Pat Fryermuth touchdown, and then the Baltimore game with I believe was Lamar Jackson's last full game that he played. Of that season, if the Steelers are going to be able to do anything against this offense on Sunday, I think that first and foremost you have to stop Joe Mixon early because mm-hmm. if Joe Mixon is going to be able to run like he did in the games last year, I mean he was just running all over the place against the Steelers. The Bengals didn't even have to use most of their weaponry in the offensive passing game because Mixon just kept tearing up the Steelers. If that happens again this year, and Burrow can just you know play the Steelers defense like a fiddle, run, pass, pass, play action, run, 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 play action, pass. Like, it's going to be a long, long day. He's going to have a lot of fun as well in that pocket. Uh, granted, the pocket might not be there considering how bad their offensive line was last year. A lot of upgrades, but we'll see how those gel. But still, it's going to be a long day if you can't stop Mixon. Key number one has got to be limit Mixon early, force them to become a one-dimensional offense. If they can get both dimensions moving the ball down the field, I just don't see how not just the Steelers, but many teams around the NFL can can win that game unless you have an offense that can keep up with that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you looked at the, the preseason games this year. The one in, against Detroit really stood out because the Detroit game, everyone was saying, well, this is a team that you – barely tied last year and you should have blown out but you were left with Mason and look they ran for what 200 yards against you with with backup some of their backup guys even and here they came out against the Lions again in this preseason game when everyone was saying well the lot the defensive line is a lot better now granted it was preseason so Cam wasn't out there and you only saw Larry Larry O and Tyson in a very limited capacity but again those guys on Detroit were kind of running wild 
I mean, yes. there, were, there were a lot of third and longs that the Lions were able to convert via the air and the ground. So a little concerning there. And yeah, I mean, so the Joe Mixon factor has to be taken care of early. I mean, I'm looking at the numbers now, Tom. In the first game of this, uh, the first game this, these two teams played against each other was early on. It was only week three, but Joe Mixon ran for 90 yards on only 18 carries. Mm-hmm. And the second game, 28 carries for 165 yards and two touchdowns. I know, dude. They just kept giving him the ball because they weren't stopping him. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, you want to say they kept giving him the ball, but T. Higgins, of all people, led that team in, in uh, receiving yards with 114 and a touchdown. So. I mean, they put up 41 points. Yeah, I mean, you so win 41 to 10, you're going to have stats. You're going to you have I mean? a lot of guys have a, a really good day, including Mike Hillen, who, let's not forget, had that pick six, which probably felt very good on his part. Uh, but, yeah, Joe Mixon really had a great season against the Steelers in both games. What is it, almost 45 carries for over 200 yards, over right? 200 yeah. yards, nearly 300 yards in just two games? I mean, yeah, the Joe Mixon needs to be a priority. I mean, it's 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 hard, though, because you just said, like, we just listed all three tight or we just listed all three receivers. We know how good Joe Burrow is. We know how skilled Mixon can be. Which guy is going to be the priority here? Well, I mean, I think priority number one's got to be get to Joe Burrow as mm-hmm. fast as you possibly yeah. can. Well, priority one stop the run early so that it's third and long, so that he's got to drop back to pass and then try to get to him as fast as you can. Because even if you double chase, Higgins is going to be open. Boyd's going to be open. It's tough. It's one of the toughest offenses that you're going to have to game plan for this year if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. Before we flip over to the defensive side and look at them uh, just for a bit before wrapping up this episode, wanted to let you guys know that you can now listen to Steelers Nation Radio at any time, anywhere through your smart speaker. Just say, Alexa, play Steelers Nation Radio from my heart. Alexa will take care of the rest. Great feature, Alexa. Always doing us favors. And pumping. Thanks, Alexa. Thanks, Alexa, for pumping our voices mm-hmm. into the listeners' ears. I don't think there was much change on Cincinnati's defense this year, to be honest with you. I mean, they spent their first two draft picks on members of the secondary, Dax Hill, a safety, and uh, Cam Taylor-Britt, cornerback who's hurt right now and on IR, so you don't have to worry about seeing him. Uh, But they obviously decided to go offensive line, offensive additions, and free agency. We'll do defense uh, via the draft. The defensive players that they drafted, though, one on IR and one in a log jam behind Jesse Bates and Vaughn Bell in the secondary, they're not going to play this year, though. And everybody seems to be pretty much the same for the Bengals defensively. In fact, their second-leading sack getter last year, Larry Ogunjobi, is now a Pittsburgh mm-hmm. Steeler. So I'd say that's the—I uh, mean, looking at their free agents, that's the only one that they lost that was a significant— name on that defense yeah i mean it, i would even say overall roster uzama was kind of a name but they really only targeted the tight ends 15 percent of the time last mm-hmm. year uzama had a couple games where he had a couple big touchdowns and popped fantasy numbers but he's not going to be missed mm-hmm. they, they just don't need tight ends there so i'd say Ogunjobi's their biggest loss overall as far as free agency is concerned and bj hill and dj reader are are both really good players and we'll see how they stack up on the defensive line for the Bengals in this opening game and i I, of course sam hubbard also had seven sacks last year lining up opposite of trey hendrickson who led the way with them with 14 but it's a defense that i felt overachieved a bit last year really good at stopping the run not that great at stopping the pass you still have most of the same faces in both of those categories, minus Ogan Joby. So I have to think that they're probably hoping to get a little better as far as stopping the, the pass is concerned. 
won't be tested much. I'm sure they're thinking against the Steelers, or at least they're going to dare the Steelers to pass the ball against them. And I think if that defense can continue a top five rushing defense output, that's extremely dangerous to be able to, you know, have that in your back pocket, make teams one-dimensional, and stop them on the ground a lot. It would certainly favor them in this game against the Steelers, thinking the Steelers are going to want to run a lot early in the game. Yeah. Tom, I mean, we, we spent so much time talking about the offense, but the defense here is really no slouch either. I mean, you mentioned the secondary. It might be one of the better secondaries in the NFL, certainly uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a league where offense typically shines. That combination of safeties between Von Bell and Jesse Bates alone might be the best safety tandem in the league. Yeah, I think that they're up there. And it's good to see that Jesse Bates, if you're a Bengals fan, is is on the field and going to play this year. A lot of roster uh, worry as far as him wanting to get his new deal done, and now he's on the franchise tag, and you didn't know if he was going to go the mm-hmm. left bell route or not if you're Cincinnati. Sit out, but he Luckily, didn't. he did not, right. So he's going to play for the Bengals this year, uh, and that's huge for them. And I agree that those two, and then Hendrickson up front with Hubbard probably being his wingman, yeah. are really your, your big dogs. Logan Wilson in the middle is a good linebacker. He led the team in tackles last year. Jermaine Pratt's a good linebacker. He was like fourth in the team in tackles last year. But they're just good linebackers. They're not really stars. Right. Don't get me wrong. It's a more solid linebacking core than they have in Pittsburgh right now. But that's really been their probably weakness on the defense for the past couple years. And if you had to point to a weakness, it'd probably be in the middle of the field as well this year. So hopefully the Steelers use a lot of play action, get Najee running really well, and that's able to open up the middle of the field for Mitch to hit the tight end, to hit uh, Claypool, yada, yada, yada. My, my worry if I'm the Bengals is my depth, right? Because like you said, Dre Henderson is obviously a very talented edge guy. Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt, good enough on the inside. And then we just talked about the secondary. But the names behind all those guys is where it really starts to drop off. And I mean, even some of their starters, Eli Apple, who we picked on a lot last year, especially in the Super Bowl when he he was the guy who was targeted against Cooper Cup for that game-winning touchdown drive uh, by the Rams. That he's still left. The, the Bengals are still left with Eli Apple as their starting cor- left cornerback. So I know they have some names, but if some of those guys go down, like if Trey Hendrickson goes out, that defensive line really becomes an easy line to run against if you're an opposing offense. And like you mentioned, the the, the middle linebackers really are just okay. They're they're probably overall better than what the Steelers have between Devin Bush and and. Robert Spillane, but again, it's not going to be a hard day if if Trey Henderson is not a if Trey Hendrickson Hendricks <laughs> take a break, take a breather. It's fine. Hendrickson is not a factor. That that short to middle uh, field targets should really be an easy uh, route for opposing offenses. We'll really sink our teeth into Steelers game plan offensively and defensively on Friday's episode of the Standard as we give our full preview of the Bengals and the Steelers, but. You know, last thing to say to wrap up this episode, you want to get the Bengals at this time of year. Yes. Earlier the better. Maybe that offense isn't in exact rhythm early in this game, and you're able to steal one like you stole one last year against Buffalo. I mean, look at Buffalo last year, Tom. They came out shaky. There was that block punt, which which changed the course of that game against Pittsburgh. 
But they, the Buffalo that, that finished off the season was a very different team than one that started. Remember, they, they lost to Tennessee a close game, and then they lost to Jacksonville, which a lot of people say was the the biggest upset of the season. So you can be a good team by the season's end, but it doesn't mean you're going to be great. I mean, yeah, we just talked about Buffalo because that was the team the Steelers got uh, at in week one. But let's not forget the biggest team to stumble out of the gates last year was Kansas City. Yep. A lot of people were saying, what is happening? Is the Kansas City reign already over? Because what? They 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 started the season three and four and then won, what, nine of their next ten? So it's not just because you start end the season well doesn't mean it was a consistently good season. So, yeah, I agree with especially being a young team like Cincinnati. It, it, it's it's tough. You can, you can look at it two ways. It's tough because they're a division opponent and they've won three in a row against you and you have to go into their home stadium to start the season. But you can also look at it as your head coach has been around for a lot longer than Zach Taylor. Your team has a lot more veterans on your on your squad than they do. Yeah, the quarterback play is probably better on their side, but the guy you have at quarterback has been around for longer than Joe Burrow has. So a lot of young talent on that Bengals offense, their first season coming off as defending AFC champs. So there could be a lot of just mental hype that's blocking their their actual vision of reality of, of how to take this game seriously. They could easily be looking at it at, at the Steelers as, oh, well, now we're the big bad dog of, of the <laughs> AFC North. They have to come through us. We have nothing to worry about. That could easily happen. It is a Wednesday, so that means on our next episode, it's time for our first official power rankings of the Steelers standard 2022 season. Very excited about that. Make sure you tune in to get all of our thoughts on who the top 10 NFL teams are as week one kicks off in just the day from today. Recording this on Wednesday, Bills and the Rams. Tom, we're one day away. I know, it's right around the corner. It's NFL opener eve right now, and I can feel it like it's Christmas Eve as well. It's The anticipation is just overwhelming myself. I I might have to relieve myself a little bit early (laughs) from this next episode when I get really into the weeds as far as this NFL season starts. He's Jacob Recht. I am Tom Opferman. As always, appreciate you guys giving us a listen. This has been the Steelers Standard. If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for lemonade days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.